Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons, and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ in Elizabethan, Tennessee. And I'm Michael Jordan. I'm the Dean of Media for the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Good to have Michael with us. Good to have you with us. If you are where you can, please go get your Bible, pencil, and paper. And for the next one hour, study with us. The greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God. Now, as you go to get that Bible, pen, and paper, stop by the telephone. Call a friend, a loved one. Tell them that the Arise to Truth radio program is on the air. Now, if you're local, we're located 690 on your AM dial. Now, if you're out of town... You got a friend out of town, out of state, out of country. Just tell them to get on the internet, type in arisetotruth.com. When our webpage comes up, click on the banner, listen live here, and you've got us. To all of you who make it a regular practice to listen to the program, thank you so much for being a part of the Arise to Truth radio program. We'll be looking forward and hearing from you. Now today, Michael and I are here by ourselves, so we'll do a little hodgepodge, if you wish. We'll go where you want to go. If you have questions you want to ask, then we'll be glad to deal with those questions. We'll open the phone lines very early and let you be a part of the program. And if you choose not to call for a while, Michael and I will be talking about the very important subject of prayer. You know, God Almighty talks to us through the Bible. That's the way he speaks to us. He talks to each and every one of us. And he tells us exactly what he wants. But then, after we become a child of God, we talk to him through prayer. What a privilege to be able to go to God in prayer. And it, it's amazing How few people pray. You know, there's a song we sing in our songbook. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? And a lot of people don't think to pray. When I get in the automobile, I try to remember I'm in a death machine. And I try not to get in one without praying. Because, brother, it could be my last trip. And I know that. And so we need to always be going to God in prayer. And as we get older, we realize it's not a lot of stuff we need, but a lot of stuff for which we need to be thankful. And so it's not that give me this, Lord, give me that attitude anymore, but thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for that. You know, we ought to thank God every morning. I try to thank God every morning when I get up for mobility, for sight, for hearing, for good health, and to be able to use that day wisely for the Lord. You know, you'd think when it comes to prayer that this would be something everybody would know how to do. But yet when you read Luke 11.1, The disciples of our Lord came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Prayer is something that needs to be taught. There's people today that pray to saints, pray to Allah, pray to different deities. When the Bible makes it plain, we're to pray to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, and that's the way that we are to pray. Not everybody is qualified to pray. See, that's why we need to be taught on prayer, because if you pick up the average track, the average track will be telling you to pray the sinner's prayer. But the Bible says, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. John 9 Verse number 31. So then, notice you got to be qualified to pray. Before I can look to heaven and say, My Father, which art in heaven, 
I must be his child. And to be his child, i got to be born again. And one might say, well, Wesley, for crying out loud, if you can't pray and ask God to forgive you, how in the world are you going to get rid of your sins? Now, that's a good question. You hear, you believe, you repent, you confess, and you're baptized for the remission of your sins. The Lord adds you to his church, his family. And then you can look to heaven and say, My Father, which art in heaven. Beautiful concept, the way God has it set up. Now, I want you to notice when it comes to prayer, in Proverbs 15, 8 and 9, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But watch this. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. So the prayer of the upright is the delight of God Almighty. See, you don't trouble God when you go to God in prayer. No, that's God's delight that you trust him enough, love him enough to speak to him. You know, you want to talk to your best friends. I know one of the things I enjoy immensely is my wife Kay traveling with me and we're hemmed up together in that car, whether we want to be or not, and we get to talk to each other about different things. And so we travel for miles, and we're talking to each other. Or to take her out to eat and be across the table from her, and to be able to talk to her. See, you want to talk to those you love. My daughter's traveling today, and I've called her already several times. Check on her. Make sure she's safe. And I enjoy talking to her. I've talked to my mom today. Well, wouldn't it be a little dumb if I'd say, well, I talked to Kay this morning, and I talked to my mother, and I talked to Karen, but I've not talked to God. See, God is our best friend, and God has our best interest at heart. And so when we pray, we talk to God about our deepest needs, and we thank him for all the many blessings that he's bestowed upon us. So it's important that we talk to God on a regular basis. When we look at Cornelius, and Cornelius is a unique case, and again, it shows the brilliance of God. When Cornelius is a man, a Gentile, and going to be the first Gentile that becomes a member of the Lord's church. In Acts 10, verses 1 through 4, notice what the Word of God says. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, friends, here's a Gentile, not a Jew, but notice his prayer life. He prayed to God always. If your spiritual life was judged strictly by your prayer life, how would it be judged? You know, usually we judge a person's faithfulness or unfaithfulness by the way they attend services. They might say, John Doe, is he faithful? Well, what they want to notice, he attend on a regular basis. But there's more to faithfulness in, than just attending services. I can attend every worship service and never talk to God. Well, I'm not faithful. I'm not faithful at all. So here's a man that prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Now watch this. Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now what in the world is a memorial? His prayers went up as a memorial before God. Well, the Lord's Supper's a memorial. 
it calls our mind back to something. As we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, our minds are called back to Calvary's cross. And the awful suffering that Jesus Christ went through and the shedding of his blood for you and me, it makes us remember. Well, I want you to notice that Cornelius' prayers and alms went up as a memorial before God. Now, this is said for your benefit and mine. God never forgets. But it reminded God of a promise that he had made in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, that through Abraham's seed, the Christ, all nations would be blessed. All people could be saved. Up to this point, salvation through the wonderful blood of Jesus Christ had just been offered to the Jews. But God Almighty wants you and me to know that he never forgot the promise he made to Abraham. And the prayers and the alms of Cornelius went up as a memorial before God so that God could say to you and me, I always keep my word. I said I would bless all nations through Abraham's seed, and I'm going to do it. And here is a wonderful Gentile who's always tried to love me the best he knew knew how, and now I'm going to bless him. I'm going to offer to him salvation through the blood of my precious son. And so Peter went over there and preached to him the glorious truth of the gospel of Christ, and Cornelius and his household obeyed the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? As we think about God Almighty and how faithful God is. See, now God does not forget us. So we need to be careful never to forget God. And he ought to be on our minds on a regular basis as we get up of a morning, as we eat, as we go through the day, as we get ready to go to bed at night. Kay and I try to never go to bed at night without having prayer. And that's a good way that she and I can close the day. But then she's obligated and privileged. I'm ob- obligated and privileged even after that to pray. And so prayer is a wonderful avenue of us communicating with God. Michael, you got a comment? Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking about Cornelius where it says, and prayed to God always. Uh, we should always be in a prayerful mood, a prayerful attitude, because as you've already expounded on, we don't know how much longer we're going to live in this life. Uh, we don't know if we're going to be in a car wreck, heart attack, whatever, you know, uh, just because we're young doesn't mean that we're not going to die. That's right. And I and I th- I think about what Paul said in First Thessalonians chapter uh, uh, five, uh, verses sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice evermore. Why? Because I can pray to God without ceasing. Uh, you were mentioning that song uh, earlier. Uh, there's another song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now look look what Jesus has done. He has given us the perfect example how to live. Uh, he has taught us how to pray. Uh, he's died uh, on the cross for our sins. And through that blood covenant and baptism, we become friends of Jesus. And what a privilege it is to talk to our friend. But now watch it now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not saying we pray to Jesus. We pray to God according to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 7. And in First Thessalonians 5, where I was uh, dealing with, in everything give thanks. Think, think about the Apostle Paul, Wesley. Every book that he wrote uh, being inspired, he always gave thanks for them. Uh, even in Romans chapter 10, he said his heart's desire and prayer is that Israel be saved. He wants us to be saved. If we're saved, we're the spiritual Israel of, of God. And and when you when you pray, uh, it's 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 indescribable that you can talk to the one 
who created everything. And when you're in that relationship with him, uh, you can talk to him at any moment of the day or night. You know, Wesley, you was talking about calling your friends. Uh, my dad and mom live in Texas. And uh, every time we'd call dad, you want to talk to your mama? No, I called to talk to you. Yeah. And it was a real privilege to talk to him the last of March and wish him a happy birthday. Wish we could have been there, but we couldn't turn 90 years old. You know, and, and we call mama every night. Even even William calls us on, on Sunday night. You know, uh, he's our son. He's he's moved out and, and uh, in, in another house, you know, uh, living his life. And, and so... He calls us every Sunday night, and it's a privilege to hear from him, uh, talk to my mom, talk to my dad, but it's even more a privilege to talk to God in prayer. That's exactly right. I try to open every day after I talk to God by talking to my mother, calling her to make sure she's all right. I try to check on her at night before I go to bed to make sure she's all right. See, you want to talk to people you love. Well, if you love God, if I love God, why wouldn't we talk to Him? Now listen to Hebrews 4, beginning with verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boy, isn't it great to know that our high priest, Jesus Christ, was tempted in all points like as we are, that he came here and he took on flesh, He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to lose a friend to death. He knows what it is to face the trials and the temptations of this life. And so when we fall on our knees, as it were, and talk to our Heavenly Father through our High Priest, Jesus Christ, we have someone that truly, truly understands. See, We can't stand there judgment day and say, Lord, you just don't know. You don't understand what I went through. Why, if you'd have gone through what I went through, you wouldn't have been faithful either. Oh, he went through a lot more than what old Wesley would go through in this life. And he was faithful to God. And we can be faithful to God. Not perfect like he was, but we can be faithful to God. Well, God... What do you think about my prayer life? Do I bother you when I pray? No, listen to the verse again. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, one reason I want to always go before the throne of God is I don't want justice. I want mercy. Man, if I get justice, I'm going to go to hell. But if I get mercy, and if I get grace, I can go to heaven. And we need to understand the difference in those things. Now I want you to look, if you will, at 1 Peter 3 and verse number 12. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. He's watching out for us. He loves us. He cares for us. Well, Lord, if your eyes are over the righteous, do you care when they're in trouble and when they cry out unto thee? Well, listen. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, friends, the Bible makes it plain The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That means if old Wesley goes out here, fornicates, gets drunk, uses illegal drugs, steals, kills, lies, and that's his lifestyle, and then I 
decide I want to pray to God, then that's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. According to what the Lord says, his ears are not open unto my prayers. You know, some people use prayer as a fire escape. They don't need it unless there's an emergency. See, if you're on the 10th floor, and by the way, when I travel, and I'm in a motel, and I'm higher than the second floor, I immediately start checking on how I'm going to get out of that building if there's a fire. I look at where the stairway is, how I could find it if I was blinded by smoke, and how many doors down it is, about how many feet, so that I can get to it and get out of that building. See, I'm looking for a fire escape. That's the way some people use prayer. I remember in Pikeville, Tennessee one time, there's a man in a car wreck, and a member of the church witnessed the car wreck, said the man got out and got to cussing. He is cussing the other driver. He is so mad and irritated it was unbelievable, just cussing him out, taking God's name in vain. And all of a sudden he felt something wet on his head, and he reached up there and his head's covered with blood, and he fell to his knees and said, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, you see, all of a sudden when the blood appeared, He wanted to be a prayerful individual. Using prayer as a fire escape. He didn't care anything about God when he thought he was healthy. But boy, when he thought he might be injured, to his knees he went. And buddy, he was ready to pray. Now, can our prayers be hindered? You better believe they can. Now, let's say Kay and I get into a marital dispute and I call her every name in the book and she calls me every name in the book well listen to what the word of God says again this is First Peter 3 it says verse 7 likewise your husbands dwell with them speaking of wives according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now watch it. That your prayers be not hindered. Now my prayer life can be hindered based on my married life. And a lot of people don't realize that. See, my prayer life can be hindered based upon my spiritual life. If I go out here and live with the devil, then lo and behold... God's not going to hear my prayer. But if I mistreat my wife, God's not going to hear my prayer. Say I get mad at Kay, and I'm Kay begs me. Now, Wesley, please, I realize I shouldn't have said what I said, but forgive me. I say, well, I'm not going to forgive you. You can forget that. You acted plum ugly. Then I go in the other room, and I ask God to forgive me. You think God's going to forgive me? No. Listen to the Word of God, friends. Matthew six, fourteen and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So notice then, I've got to be a forgiving person. Just before that, in verse 12, And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Do I really want God to forgive me the way I forgive other people? What if God forgives you exactly the way you forgive other people? Where are you going to be come judgment day? What kind of trouble are you going to be in? Or are you going to be all right? Because lo and behold, you had a godly attitude And you were willing to forgive people in a very fair and upright way. Now, a lot of people can't do that. they got to work on it. But see, that's growing spiritually when we work on it. In Proverbs 28 and verse number 9, the Bible says, 
Well, let me back up a chapter. I'm in the wrong chapter. 28.9. If I turn the pages here, here's what it says. Proverbs 28 and verse number 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. See, we've talked about that. We can't spit in the face of God, treat him like dirt, and then when we think we have a need, fall on our knees and say, Dear God, by the way, would you help me with this? God says, Look, Wesley, you didn't listen to me when I asked you to do X. Why should I listen to you when you want me to do X? See, we better smarten up and realize that we truly need God. You know, God tried to make a point to Israel. You know, when they were being taken into captivity, when Assyria came down and took the northern kingdom into captivity, and then Babylon took the southern kingdom into captivity, well, one might conclude, well, I know why that happened. It happened because the gods of Assyria and the gods of Babylon are stronger than Jehovah God. Well, God didn't want them to reason that way. So in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he put these two verses in there for their benefit. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. God wanted them to know, I'm not the problem. It's not that I could not save. Neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. It's not that I don't hear your cries. I hear your cries. You know, he kept warning them about idolatry, but they wouldn't listen. They carried their little gods around and prayed to their little gods. And God said, I'm telling you, the day's coming when you're going to throw those gods in your caves. And you're going to cry out to me, but it's going to be too late. But now watch the rest of verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. God, why are you not going to Israel's rescue? They won't listen to me. I begged them. I pleaded with them. I've sent prophet after prophet trying to get them to repent and turn to me, and they will not listen. Well, Lord, they're in trouble now. You're going to rescue them? Here comes Babylon. They're going to take them into captivity. And they're crying, oh, God, please help us. Are you going to do it? God says, no. No, I gave them a chance. And they would not repent. And so they are on their own. So, Michael, it makes a difference how we live. It sure does. It surely does. You know, uh, it first started out when they were in the land of Goshen, uh, living there, and Pharaoh made their labor harder on them, took away the straws uh, to where they uh, had to make the mud mud bricks uh, without straw. And so God heard their prayer. And uh, he delivered Moses to them, and Moses was delivering them out of the land of Canaan, I mean land of uh, Goshen, out of Egypt. Come to the Red Sea, what did they do? Started murmuring. God took care of them. You know, that journey from the land of Goshen all the way to the Palestine, uh, land of Palestine, he took care of them. He took care of them in the land of Palestine. But, you know, Wesley, there comes a time when, when you can do so much evil like you've been talking about that God will not hear your prayers. But why, you know, I was thinking about this. Why is it we pray to God only when we're in trouble or in bad health? Why not pray to him when times are good, uh, when we're in good health? He wants us to be happy. Go back to First Peter chapter 3. He said uh, that if you would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and that his lips they speak no guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. 
let him seek peace and pursue it. And then the next verse that we were talking about, for the Lord's eyes are upon the righteous. Well, what about the unrighteous? Well, we've already showed a couple of scriptures, and we have some more here that shows where even our iniquities have separated us from God. The way we live separates us from God. Notice Luke chapter 18. When the publican and the Pharisee went up to the temple to pray, the righteous man, all he is just bragging about who he is and what he is and what he's done and everything. And the poor old publican, he's down. He wouldn't even hold his eyes up. And I I get the picture of this where the Pharisee is just looking up to heaven, lifting his hand and said, God, look at me. I'm, I'm the best thing for the Jews that you've ever made. And on the other hand, he's saying, uh, I'm not even like this publican. Man, I do this, 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 and this. And the publican wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he smote his breast, that's his chest. And he said, be uh, merciful to me, God, a sinner, a sinner. And then Jesus said, which of these two went home righteous? You see, our prayers can be unrighteous, ladies and gentlemen, by the, our attitude that if, I'm the, if, if I think I'm the best thing God ever made for this world to show what religion is, I've got the wrong attitude, and he's not going to listen to my prayers. And there's verses after verses after verses that talk about prayer, Wesley, and uh, we may not have time to get all of them, but we're getting some, and we're wanting the people to know what a privilege it is to carry all our prayers to God and talk to Him on a daily basis. Boy, that's true, Michael. It sure is. In Matthew twenty-three fourteen, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses. Now watch this. And for a pretense, make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Now can you imagine going to a religious service and you hear a man pray and oh, he goes on and he talks to God and how much he loves God and he loves his fellow man. And then as soon as services is over, he goes and beats a widow out of her house and puts her out on the street. God says, you know what, a person like that's going to receive the greater damnation. And there have been a lot of religious people give religion a terrible name because of the way that they have lived. Oh, people hear them pray in public. And here, notice the Pharisees made a long prayer for pretense. Like, boy, I'm holy. I was telling Kay, he was talking about praying. And I said, well, now, Kay, a prayer does not have to be eternal to be heard. That means you don't have to pray for two days in a row for it to be heard. No, if you look at the model prayer in Matthew 6, it's comprised of very few words. But, boy, did it cover the subject. And that's what we need to do, cover the subject. How long should a prayer be? It should be like a woman's dress or skirt, long enough to cover the subject. And so we need to cover the subject. I need to ask for forgiveness of sins as a child of God. I need to thank God for all the many blessings. I need to pray for the lost, the less fortunate. Friends, have you ever thought about how lucky you are? To be born in America, I've talked to Kay about this as we travel the highways and the byways of America. Kay, you and I have never lived in a country where we've heard gunfire outside where a nation was fighting against another nation so that we Americans could keep our freedom. I've never heard that. Friends, we're so fortunate to live in a country where right now Michael and I are sitting here in the studio with our Bibles open. We're not worried about somebody kicking that door open, a Muslim or somebody, and killing us because we got a Bible. 
Man, we need to thank God for that. How long has it been since you prayed for the Muslim nations that those precious people will have a right to freely, freely open a Bible in that country and read it without fear of being killed? How long has it been since you prayed for the people in Syria? Think about those people that are on the run. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. All they could do is take their precious children and run, trying to protect their lives. Pray for them. Then as you have an opportunity, do something good for them. See, we're to help each other. Rather than trying to consume all these material things and blessings upon ourselves. Oh, James had something to say about that in James 4, beginning with verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? He's talking to Christians. How come you're fighting among yourselves? Come they not hence? Here's where they come from. Even of your lust, that war in your members? Why, lo and behold, you're lusting for this and lusting for that. Now watch it. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Here they were going about trying to beat each other, fellow Christians, out of this material good or that material thing, and they couldn't obtain, though they worked hard trying to attain it, then watch this. The Lord says you don't have it because you don't ask. If you really needed it, I, God Almighty, would definitely consider it. And then look at verse 3. What do they do when they pray? Ye asked and received not, because ye asked amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. How many times do we pray those kind of prayers? Dear God, please help me get a new home. Now, the one I got is wonderful, but I could use a more extravagant home. Lord, I need a Mercedes. My Nissan's not good enough. I need a better car. I need a swimming pool in my backyard, Lord. Now I'll rake and scrape, but you make sure you give me as much money as you can give me so I can get that. And I've only got four TVs in my house. I could use a fifth one. And people starving to death. And people naked. And people without shelter. How long has it been since you've tried to help somebody that's homeless? Michael and I was talking about that before the radio program. I know my first wife, Elva, and I, one of the things we did before she died, a homeless person here in Elizabeth, and we were looking for him, trying our best to make him have a very happy Christmas. And then another one here a few days ago, Kay and my mom and I stopped and gave him stuff, and we got stuff in the car right now to give him. We need to think about other people and not just think about consuming things upon our own lust. Well, Lord, what do you think about these people? Now look at verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. These people had fallen in love with the world, and they were fighting with one another trying to get worldly things. And when they prayed, they they prayed that they might consume these things upon their own lust. And God says, that's the reason your prayers are not answered. Well, really, they were answered. God said, no. No, every prayer is answered. God says yes to some prayers. No to some prayers. Wait a while to some prayers. Or I've given you something else that will take care of it. You know, three times Paul prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul, I'm giving you what you need. You may not know it. 
but I'm giving you what you need. So open your eyes, receive your blessing, and be thankful for it. Jesus prayed three times that the thorn in the flesh, not the thorn in the flesh, but his cup might be removed from him. But I want you to notice each time God says, no, your death is going to be for the benefit of the world. And Jesus with joy faced that according to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It was a joy for Jesus to die for you and me. Is it a joy for us to serve him? Is it a joy for us to talk to God through him? Is it a joy to be a child of God and to live the Christian life, which is the most abundant life that one can live? Michael? You know, Wesley, everything you've said is, is correct. And we're talking about prayer, the right type of prayer, who can pray, what hinders our prayer, how should we pray? And we have covered that for the past all 40, 45 minutes. But I think there's a scripture that uh, we need to look at because it can affect the way we pray. Why do we pray? How do we pray? You know, some people don't pray because they don't know how. Well, we can we can teach them how to pray. I, when I've worked with congregations, uh, we would have a uh, men's class and teach them how to pray, lead singing, make a speech, uh, all this. And and sometimes we get out of the habit of praying because we forget from whom our blessings flow. And I think First John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24, says a whole lot about our type of praying. I'm going to skip down and read. Uh, well, I'm going to start with verse 16. Hereby we perceive we the love of God because he laid his life down for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, what does that have to do with prayer, Michael? Well, uh, Miss Betty had had uh, uh, hip surgery this morning. Uh, that's Eddie's wife. And if, if she needed a kidney because hers failed and I'm the type of uh, blood type and, and it will match with her, I should be willing to give her one of my kidneys. Uh, what about giving blood to, to those who need blood? What about food? You know, Wesley talked about this homeless person. And, you know, we we get caught up in what we have, and we forget to pray, and we forget to, to take care of those who are in need. And we need to pray for those people, but not only pray, but to help them. Now look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You know, we pray and we thank God for what we have. But we, as a person of God, a child of God, need to help other people. You know, sometimes our righteousness can overwhelm us too much where we think, well, I don't need to pray because I have this and I have that. And, and you know, I really don't need anything else. But, you know, like the man Job, it could be taken away in a heartbeat. And where would we be then? Oh, we'd be, I guarantee you, we'd be down on our knees begging God, hey, God, you know, this happened to me, this happened to me. Uh, why? Well, just take a look back. Uh, James chapter 1 that uh, Wesley's already talked about. We prayed in the wrong manner. We prayed for the wrong thing, and God can take it away from us in a heartbeat. But you know, like Job, Job was a praying man. And so God blessed him. And you know something? I was taught when I was growing up, you never can outgive God. And you know, you never can pray too much to God because he is the giver of all good gifts. But you know, Wesley, there's a lot of people who like to be seen in their prayer. I remember when I was in North Carolina, there was a man, I, he, he prayed the most beautiful prayer that I've ever heard. But his prayers lasted for about 15 to 20 minutes. You know, now, if he wanted to pray that, fine, you know, because he never repeated himself. But it was always praise to God. But I can remember Brother Hearn told us, says, you can know when a person knows God by the way that he prays in front of people. 
And I, th- I think that's right. If we haven't got our praying caught up and know how to pray to God, we're not helping ourselves or we're not helping anybody else. That's right. You know, I've been ready to preach, all fired up to preach. And here's a fellow that wants to pray for 15, 20 minutes. Well, that's good. But now we need to learn, just like a preacher needs to learn to say what he's going to say in a very precise way in a precise period of time someone has said wesley that a sermon can be turn can be about uh, heaven but not eternal <laughs> that's right that's right well same way with the prayer line. right and that's why i told Kay, a prayer does does not have to be eternal to be heard uh, i remember one time jokingly saying i called on a man to lead a prayer and he prayed he prayed he prayed he prayed he prayed he prayed and I told somebody, well, if I'd have known he'd have been that far behind on his praying, I wouldn't have called on him. You've got to remember where you are and so forth. Here's somebody in the hospital extremely sick and in pain. And I, as a preacher, go and visit. And they're hurting. And they don't want me to sit there over them and pray for 25 minutes. Pray the prayer that's needed. And excuse yourself so that they can deal with their pain and God can help them. See, that's what needs to be done. Now, I was thinking about a fellow one time in Pikeville, Tennessee, a erring member of the Church of Christ that I went to see. And he's outside when I drove up. And I told him that we'd been missing him. We'd like to see him come back. Nah, I don't think I will. You don't think you'd come back? Well, let me ask you something. Do you ever pray? And I was going to make the point, how can you pray if you're not obedient to God? To which he responded, for what would I pray? And then he pointed at his nice home. And he said, I got a good home. Then he pointed at his cars. I got good cars. Then he pointed to himself. I got good health. Then he made reference to his family. I got a good family. For what would I pray? Do I need to tell you he's divorced today? His home destroyed. His life destroyed. He thought he had it made. If he'd have prayed, been faithful to God, then no telling what blessings could have come about as a result thereof. Arise to truth, you on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, in Revelations, the third chapter, and I think it's about verse maybe 18 or 19, uh, that it's got this exactly what you're talking about covered there in Revelations, where a man says he, he has all this and that, and, and the Lord says he needs to buy from him the fine gold. I'm not exactly why sure it is, what verse it is, but if you can find it, that covers exactly what you just said. I'm going to get off here now. Okay, well, thank you for calling. Bye. That's exactly right. Boy, I tell you what, you want to learn some good Christian principles? Read the seven uh, letters written to the seven churches of Asia. And boy, God lets them know, the ones that's lacking, what they need to do. Some of them lukewarm, cold, indifferent. Some thought they were rich when they were poor. And they needed to purchase from God, like the caller said, the true riches. And that's what a lot of people will not do. See, just like the man in Pikeville, he wasn't trying to pursue the true riches. And it eventually got him in trouble. You know, we need to understand, friends, that we need the wisdom from above. In James 3, we're told about the wrong kind of wisdom toward the end of the chapter, the wisdom of the world. But in James 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. But watch this. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. The words don't doubt it. For he that doubteth or wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. 
For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You see, we don't want to be double-minded. We want to trust God. By the way, as I grow older, I'm trying to learn more and more to trust God through prayer. And we need to do that, all of us. In James 5, beginning with verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. You know, a lot of times we see a brother with a fault. We don't pray for him. We get on the phone. Hey, you know, old brother so-and-so's taking up drinking. Yeah, I saw him at the liquor store. Saw him coming out. No, pray for him. Go talk to him. Don't run him down and try to destroy him. The Bible doesn't say get on the phone and run him down. It says pray for one another. Now watch this. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. That ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I've been honored before visiting the hospital And people hear me talking in the hospital and recognize my voice from radio and send people out to get me to come in to pray for them. I consider that a huge honor. And when I go in and I pray for them, I expect God to help them. I expect results if it be His will. You see, we've got to believe in prayer. Just like Michael mentioned Betty. Well, we've got to pray for Betty. i got a son-in-law that's sick. I pray for him in a very fervent way. I want him well. Yeah, i got a son-in-law I love. I sure do. Now, listen, the Bible says Elijah was a man uh, subject to like passions as we are. See, he had his doubts, his fears, his shortcomings. But now watch this. When it came to his faith, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now do we believe in prayer that strongly? You see, when there's a drought, we need to pray that God will bless us with rain. When somebody's sick, pray that if it be thy will, Father, that you restore them to their health. But let me ask you this, boy. You talk about getting personal. How long has it been since you prayed for somebody that's lost? And I mean actually taking their name before the throne of God. Now, we pray for the lost in general. You know, Lord, please help those who do not know the truth to learn the truth and come to a knowledge of the truth and obey it so they can be saved. But start praying for people by name and see how long you can go before you have to go and try to teach them too. Because, see, then you feel the obligation to try to help them to get from here to glory. Man, that clock has caught us. What about you? Are you ready? Should you take your last breath today? If not, why don't you believe? Repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of your sins. The Lord will add you to his church. Therefore, you're part of the family of God and qualified to pray. What a privilege. What a wonderful service we are privileged to render to our God. Well, our time's gone. Thank you for being with us. May God bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.